Now, because it's Christmas Eve, I don't have the same amount of time that I normally have on Sunday morning, so I'm going to make this brief, and all God's people said amen. (laughs) I just want you to see tonight, through Mary, just want you to see two things. I want you to see who God gave us in Jesus. That's number one. And then number two, what God gave us in Jesus. Who and what. That's what I want you to see. Let's start with who. Start reading at chapter 1 in the book of Luke. I want to start reading at verse 26, if you've got your Bibles with you. In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You'll be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I'm a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who is said to be barren is in her sixth month. For nothing is impossible with God. Now let me just let's just add up some of the things that are said about Jesus in this passage. Verse 32. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high. Well, you might say you might say to me, well Jeff, lots of people in the Bible are called things like the son of God, the son of the most high if they're faithful to him. Yeah, but I want you to also notice in verse 32. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. Now, let me ask you, what kind of person has the attribute of eternity? And even more than that, look at verse 35. The Holy Spirit will will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. That was what would bring about Mary's birth. Not a physical male, but the power of the Most High. And then as a result, verse 35, the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. You know, there are places in the Bible where human beings are called holy, relatively speaking, but there's no place that anyone but God is called the Holy One. No place. What this text is telling us is that on Christmas Day, God became a human child. That the infinite became finite, that the immortal became mortal, the omnipotent literally became impotent because the creator of the universe became a single cell, the weakest and smallest version of life in the universe. The ideal became real. The supernatural became natural. The metaphysical became physical. The invulnerable became vulnerable. The unassailably holy became someone that you could hug. And the impossible became possible. Nothing less than that is what this text is telling us. Which is why, notice something fascinating in verse 31. You will be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name 
Jesus. You know, in every culture, parents get to name their children. Why? Well, because you're bigger than them, for one. (laughs) Also because you're older, and two, because you are in charge. But Jesus is the first child ever born who is, one, older than his parents, and two, who is the Lord of his parents. And so they don't get to name him because he already had a name from eternity past, and his name was Jesus. So who did God give us? He gave us God in the person of Jesus. Christmas is telling us that the one who was in Mary's womb was every bit as holy, every bit as divine, every bit as much the Lord as the Father in heaven. That's who God gave us at Christmas. Now, the second, the second thing that I want you to see as I said earlier, is what did God give us in Jesus Christ? In other words, when you unwrap the gift of Jesus, what's in the gift? We'll start reading again at verse 38. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. Then the angel left her. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child that you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that what the Lord has said to her will be accomplished. Okay, now what did God give us in Jesus? In the interest of time, I just want to focus in on what happened at at the very end of that passage in the conversation between Mary and Elizabeth. You see, Mary was, was very, very young, probably only a teenager. And so before the weightiness of what the angel had told her really clicked with her, Mary went to an older relative of hers who had inexplicably become pregnant in her old age. Mary tells her that she doesn't understand why God has chosen her. And three times Elizabeth tells her in this passage that she is blessed. The last one being in verse 45 when she says, blessed is she who has believed that what the Lord has said to her will be accomplished. The trouble is that that English word blessed is just, it's just, it's, it's limp. When we use the word Uh, We use it for all kinds of things. We use it when you sneeze. We use it for every time something good happens to someone. But in the Hebrew Scriptures and in the Greek Scriptures, the word blessed meant something much deeper than that. It means that God has done something that brings you to full, and the the Hebrew word is shalom, which means wholeness of being, full human functioning. To be blessed means that everything that God made you to be, it means to be strengthened and repaired in every one of your human capacities, whether it's psychological or social or cultural or spiritual. It means to be utterly transformed. And so what Elizabeth is saying to Mary and what Luke is saying to us here tonight is that if you believe this beautiful miracle that God God took on human flesh, 
If you believe that it was really accomplished, if you believe that it really happened, if you take it into the center of your life and live in accordance with it, you are blessed. It will transform you. It will change you into a whole new person. In other words, what God gave us in the gift of Jesus is the possibility of transformation. The possibility of transformation. Now, what do I mean by that? possibility of transformation. What do I mean by that? Well, there are all sorts of ways that you could be transformed, but I want to just give you one way that, that stands out, I think, from this story and that is very relevant to us, to City Church. You might have walked in here this evening and you looked around and you thought to yourself, man, there are some, there are some people in here tonight that I just can't stand. I just despise. And many of them are part of my family. No, I'm, I'm just kidding. You didn't say that to yourself. You looked around and you saw some poor people. Maybe you saw some wealthy people. You just said, I can't stand them. Maybe you saw someone whom you know as a Republican. Maybe you saw someone whom you know as a Democrat. There are even some Bernie Sanders fans in our midst tonight. Perhaps you saw people of another skin color, another ethnicity. Despised those people. Maybe you saw Eastsiders. Maybe you saw Westsiders. <laughs> Rights graduates, Castle graduates. I despise those people. You might have even seen that person that you so despised who was driving slowly in the left lane on the Lloyd as you were racing here tonight from your home in Newburgh because you forgot the time of the walkthrough before the service. And you remember how much you despised that person in the moment. Just as an example, that's all I'm saying. You might have seen that person. But then you consider that here in the Christmas story, that the very first witnesses of Jesus' presence on earth are two women, two marginalized, powerless, oppressed by the Roman culture, women. Two people whom the world said were insignificant. Two people who were despised just because they were women. And by the way, by the way, if you just think ahead a little bit to Easter, we'll see some of you again at Easter, so I just want you to think ahead about this. (laughs) Who was the first person who witnessed the resurrection of Jesus? Who was the person from whom the rest of the world learned that Jesus had been raised from the dead? Who was it? It was a woman. Mary Magdalene. Literally, a former, a former mental patient. And then you think about the other women whom we've looked at in Jesus' genealogy, outsiders, some of them. There's even a Gentile among them. One of them was a woman who had been sexually abused by a king. One of them, the victim of incest. There was an immigrant in their midst, too, woman from a despised race. Not long after this story, Jesus himself becomes a refugee on the run with his family for persecution, and he lived as an immigrant in Egypt. There is even, God forbid, a teenager in their midst. And here is what suddenly occurs to you, if you're thinking, if you're thinking about it. In the Christmas story, God is working with and through people whom the world despises. And so you see, one of the possibilities of transformation in Jesus 
is that Christmas signals the end of elitism and superiority and haughtiness. What we see in Mary and all of the women in the genealogy of Jesus is that in Jesus are all of the people that you tend to despise. That, by the way, is one of the reasons that we have on our vision statement over here on the wall that we want to bring spiritual and social and cultural renewal to the city of Evansville and beyond. Because once you see that all of the people that you tend to despise are in Jesus, you realize that there's no room for racism or misogyny or elitism or classism. And that's when change in a community can really begin to happen. Because God came to earth in the person of Jesus because he did that. He is no longer only spirit. He knows what it's like to be poor. He knows what it's like to be despised. He knows what it's like to be marginalized. He knows what it's like to be hungry. He knows what it's like to live on the run. He knows what it's like to be an immigrant. He knows what it's like to be tired. He knows what it's like to suffer pain, which, by the way, he did when he was on a Roman cross. God, in the person of Jesus himself, knew exactly what it was like to be despised. Mostly by religious people, by educated people, by moral people, by elite people. And he's still despised. And the reason he is despised is because he says that no matter who you are, no matter how good you are, no matter how moral you are, no matter how educated you are, no matter how wealthy you are, or even how religious you are, He says, he had to come to earth and die for your sins. That's why he's despised. The message of Christmas is that God came to earth to do for you what you couldn't do for yourself. And if you can bring yourself to admit that, to believe that, to surrender to that, then there is power for the kind of transformation that you have always hoped for. And there is life beyond this one as well. That's the message of Christmas. Can you believe that? That God became human in the person of Jesus. He came to earth. He came to us because we couldn't reach out to him. That's the message of Christmas. Would you bow your heads with me for prayer? Lord Jesus Christ, we worship you tonight as the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. They're in a manger on the first Christmas And just this little baby was more power than all of the kings in the world have ever had. Lord, for those that are here tonight that may never have come to a place, uh, to uh, to a place where they understand what the message of Christmas is, that you and your great love came to us because we weren't good enough to come to you. And that you did so in the person of Jesus Christ, that he died on a cross for our sins because it was the only way for our sins to be dealt with. 
Would you bring those people tonight, maybe, maybe never heard that story, maybe never understood that, would you bring them to a place tonight where they would place their trust in you, Lord Jesus? And then, the, Lord, for those that have heard that story before, but who maybe have given up on the hope of real change, real transformation, Lord, tonight, would you, would you reassure them that the message of Christmas is that there is real power for transformation? doesn't matter how old you are, you can change. Lord, remind them that they can change in the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, we thank you that you worked through the despised, that you worked through all of the people that the world would would normally think that you would never work through. Lord, I pray that you would work through us as as a church here, work through City Church, to bring spiritual and social and cultural renewal to this city and beyond through a movement of people who are being transformed by you. Lord Jesus Christ. And it's in your name tonight that we worship and that we pray. Amen.